Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. I'm Luke. I We have a midweek uh, show for you here where we get to digest all of the insanity that's happened, be it with what teams are doing or what certain teams are not doing and the insanity that the moves have caused or that the lack of moves have caused from their fans. Uh, I'm Luke. I'm here with Mike and Joey. Uh, we do not have Derek today because he is sick. And I am not sick, but I'm coping. I have, I'm, I'm, it's the Christmas season, so I'm drinking some eggnog on the rocks. Help uh, calm my nerves while I talk about what's happening in Major League Baseball right now. Um, so uh, let's get right into it because we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, so let's uh, start with the first pitches. Uh, Joey, uh, you seem to usually be leading an interesting life. What's going on? What's your, what's your first pitch for us this week? Having a great time this week, um, wrapping up finals, you know, getting things done, you know, taking, you know, I just took my first astronomy final. Um, I've never taken astronomy before. A lot of people have done astronomy. It feels like everyone in my school has done astronomy, but, you know, some people, I guess, haven't done it yet. So I was, ex- I was excited to take astronomy today. Um, I had medieval history. The Red Sox are making me, are making me depressed, man, though. But, you know, there's some, there's some things serving to keep me going here for the last week of school. I'll be back in Boston for the next three or four weeks soon. I'll have a more comfortable studio for you guys. You guys won't have to look at my horrible, horrible background. But, yeah, uh, Yamamoto, bring him here, bring him somewhere. Bring him here, please. I, I I don't know what to say anymore, guys. It seems like it seems like the Red Sox only serve to uh, to hurt their fans, and it's it's I think it's interesting too because I feel like no other team has this unique of an experience, another fan base. Because most fan bases that don't spend, they're just used to their team not spending, <laughs> and now we have this team that used to spend that refuses to now spend. So it's it's very disheartening. It's very sad, and. One thing I, I put a poll out the other day, and I was wondering your guys' takes on this. Do you think John Henry ever at his fancy cocktail parties when he's out gallivanting, you know, uh, schmoozing with big celebrities and stuff, does he ever feel personally embarrassed by the performance of the Red Sox, the fact that they've uh, finished in last place two seasons in a row? Does he ever feel embarrassed by that? Or do you think it doesn't affect him at all? He doesn't care about that. Because maybe it's time, maybe it's important that John Henry's ego be hurt, and maybe that will give him an incentive to make the team better. I guarantee you he takes it personally, and it really upsets him, because when he's at, when he's gallivanting with the Rockefellers and of the world, He's got a, that's what he's known for. That's what people see him walk into a party at the Four Seasons or on his yacht or whatever. Like, ooh, he, that's John Henry. And, you know, they, the, the, the rich, powerful men um, tell their uh, beautiful 25 year old escorts that they're with, they say, do you know who he is? He owns the Boston Red Sox. And they're like, ooh, introduce me, please. And, so that's he definitely he definitely cares uh, whether he's willing to keep spending as prices go up. That remains to be seen. We'll get into that. Um, so I hope I hope your astronomy final went well, Joey. And I, I some listeners may know I'm I'm pretty close with uh, Joey's dad. We're good friends. And I knew Joey was taking astronomy because his dad always says that he's taking up space in school. So now let's move on to Mike. Uh, what's your first pitch? How's everything going? 
Uh, going well, going well. I can't say it's been as fun as Joey's, but um, just hearing astronomy and you and Derek talk about finals during the week does give me uh, the heebie-jeebies. It does not bring good memories back, just cramming for finals during the week. It, it felt like there was no weekend, and it's crazy. But no, other than that, it's been good. It's getting a little colder here in the Midwest. There's finally some frost on the cars in the morning. You might have to start your car before you leave for work. Um, and yeah, the Yankees are back to being called the Evil Empire. So. It's been a good week so far, so. I hear you. It's, um, I think, Mike, you and I can agree that at least, other than finals, Joey doesn't really have anything else on his mind to really preoccupy him right now, so that's good. And I sympathize with you uh, both, actually, with the having to, you know, start up the car, wait for the frost to clear off and everything, because down here in San Antonio, I believe it hit 48 today, so I am I am I am feeling it. I am feeling uh, the cold, cold, awful, insufferable uh, Christmas time weather, December weather down here. I really am not, but I put in plenty of time in Massachusetts, so I, I do not feel bad uh, laughing uh, when I hear the stories of people from the Northeast and the winters they are going through, Northeast and Midwest and uh, wherever we may be. All right. Let's get down to it. A lot has happened. A lot happened in the last week in Major League Baseball. We talked about it on the Sunday show, uh, me and John and Pat. Uh, I'm glad not much new has happened so that you guys could weigh in with your thoughts before we have to move on to something else. Um, Hopefully tomorrow new things will start happening and we'll get to start the next show with talking about Yamamoto going to the Red Sox. But for now... Uh, we've had some serious moves been made. Not many, really not many moves have been made yet, but it feels like all of them have been game changers. Um, the Yankees have added Juan Soto and have taken Alex Verdugo off the Red Sox hands. Shohei Otani has signed with the Dodgers and pretty much become like a 48% partner in the franchise from what I'm hearing and the Red Sox shocked the world by taking Tyler O'Neill from the St. Louis Cardinals but let's start with uh the the biggest trade uh so far Juan Soto is on the Yankees he is a New York Yankee uh taken for a, a haul of uh prospects mostly pitchers um and we're gonna play a game called boom or bust we're gonna discuss each of the acquisitions that i just mentioned and everyone's gonna pick whether they feel uh this individual player is gonna be a boom or if they're gonna be a bust and explain why um so let's let's get started with juan soto mike uh how are you feeling about juan soto in the one year as of right now one year that he is contractually obligated to play with the New York Yankees. Is he going to be a boom or is he going to be a bust? Um, I say big boom, just because. I mean, as as the as the Yankees organization, he kind of had. I think their hands were tied. I think you had to make a big splash this soft season. Um, you know, mediocrity has kind of been the regular, and that's just not like at least someone who you know maybe a little bit younger than you know my dad who grew up with all the championships. I've I've only seen you know, two. So, you know, or I guess, yeah, two. So in real, realistically, I mean, (laughs) right. But I mean, still, it's like, you know, you grow up, you know, hearing about the, you know, the big bad Yankees of the nineties and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, you have, you grow up, you know, with that demeanor as a Yankee fan and uh, you never really got to like, you know, 
puff your chest out as much as you'd like to, especially recently. So um, it's been a fun week. I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, we talked in the last week's show that, you know, I, I didn't want to see King go, but um, I, from what I understand, it was, you know, that's kind of what made the deal go. Um, so it is what it is. I mean, I saw he looked excited to be a Yankee in his, uh, you know, his little uh, interview there. It seems like they're all doing interviews, you know, online now through the Zoom, which is kind of weird to me. Like, I, I wish they would, you know, I kind of liked watching them stand on the podium, hold the jersey up, you know. I don't know what happened to that, but, I, you know, I don't know if it was COVID or whatever. These guys just make too much money. They don't really have to abide by any rules, but. Um, no, it'll be fun. I mean, he, this dude's going to enter a contract year and, um, I mean, he, he's a hell of a hitter he's a left, he's a lefty that we need. He's an outfitter we needed. Um, so, you know, looking good so far. I'm, I'm, I'm saying big boom and you got to win a championship. I think you win a championship, he stays. So go for it all. I didn't even think about it at the time, but yeah. Why did he do his introductory press conference over a zoom call? Other than maybe it's December and he's in Cal- Southern California and he's just like, I'm not going to New York. You couldn't pay me to go there right now when it's cold outside. I'm just going to stay here. We'll do it. I don't know. It's not it's not the peak of COVID anymore. I think you kind of owe it. to. He's going to make, what, $33 million or something this year. I think you kind of owe it to the team to make the trip out and do the 10-minute press conference and then fly back out to your warm mansion. Um Joey, uh, what are your thoughts? Boom or bust on Juan Soto in New York? Yeah, him not showing up to the press conference to me is crazy. Makes me think maybe he's not excited to be a New York Yankee. Is that is that is that a new take? I don't know. Has anyone said that, Luke? Because to me, I think that's a very subtle way of him saying he's really not that interested in being a New York Yankee. They traded for him. He didn't have any say in where he was going. In particular, he played for the Nationals. He didn't have a say in going there. He was in Southern California for a while. He had plenty of time to come to New York. It's not like this press conference was scheduled the day after. So why didn't he want to come? Maybe that was him subtly showing his disapproving uh, his disapproving manner towards that. I, I I've never seen that for a marquee player. I've never seen that where they don't show up. Zoom? Are you kidding me? I mean, maybe he's in the DR. Maybe he's in the DR, and he can't. He can't get. I don't know. It's not Christmas. It's not Christmas week. He has really no excuse. If I was a Yankees fan, I would feel very insulted. I would feel very insulted, and I think Yankees fans need to prepare for a possible prima donna next season because this seems like the start of a prima donna season. Are you kidding me? Not showing up to the press conference. That's insane. Did you answer whether you think he's going to be a boom or a bust? I can't remember. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he'll I think he'll play well. I think he'll be a bust for the Yankees. Is that a fair answer? That's fair. Uh, I still Mike, don't think the Yankees will win anything. That's Mike, bottom line. Mike, as a Yankee fan, are you absolutely disgusted with Juan Soto yet for not going to New York for the press conference? Uh, no, I'm not. No, I, I'm pretty sure I read he's in Florida. So I, I mean, I put myself in that situation. I mean, if I, you know, first of all, I think the Yankees got to cater to him. Like you want him to come resign with you. So like this whole, like, can you can't buy like Brian, why didn't Brian Cashman pay for a, you know, first class ticket or a private jet to go get him if he really wanted to be in New York. 
But um, no, I'm not. I'm not too upset with it. I, take it if he asked for it. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, if you want, <laughs> if he, they probably did pay for a ticket, Michael. He said, "No, I'm not going." I mean, would you blame it? He's in Miami. Like, would you leave Miami to go to New York with all that crazy Christmas stuff going on right now? I mean, really? Yes, Michael. If the New York Yankees were paying me $30 million and I was a star baseball player, yes, I would travel there to go to the press conference. I wouldn't. I, I would take a break from my uh, – you're, you're, you're not a prima donna, Joey. These guys are prima donnas. They already make millions. I, I, you're not a prima I, donna, man. You're a true American. I got to disagree with your first premise right there, Mike, right off the bat. If Joey's not a prima donna, I don't know who is. And maybe Soto saw an opportunity to make a quick buck, and when they sent him the, the ticket, he cashed it in and banked and, and uh, banked the, the cost of the ticket. He, he, he hasn't gotten paid yet, remember. He, he's got to save his bucks until next year. My my biggest guess would be today's Glaber Torres's birthday. I'm pretty sure they all live in they all have houses in in uh, Florida for the spring training and stuff. So I bet you they're going out. I bet you he's that's where he's going to meet the team. They're going to all meet up, introduce him, Aaron Judge, take him out. You know, like you know, it, it, that's the plan. I'm sorry to interrupt. Have you been talking with Derek? Did you just pull out the birthday excuse? <laughs> the Is birthday this the second time um, someone pulled out a birthday excuse? Before you joined, Mike, we were talking about Corey Kluber was the opening day starter for the Red Sox uh, no. in 2023. And we were mm-hmm. asking why it's him and not Chris Sale. And Derek's answer was, well, it's Chris Sale. Opening day is on Chris Sale's birthday this year. So Cora probably just wants him to enjoy his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> not have to the endure the hardship of Michael. throwing baseballs. Of throwing 83 baseballs. <laughs> um <laughs> Mike, what year were you born? Uh, 94. Born in 1994. So who would you – I assume Soto is going to be playing left field and not right field. Who would you say is the best Yankee – no, he's playing right field? So from what I saw, he's playing right. They're going to have Judge in center because they – the plan is – like I don't think Judge is going to be a full-time center fielder. I think he's going to play center field for the time being, especially until Jason Dominguez can get back. Um, and they also got Trent Grisham, who's a two-time Gold Glove winner. So I think I think that's the plan. And then they're going to have um, Verdugo and left because I think he's the better outfielder between him and Soto. So just more more field to cover and left. So I think Verdugo stays there. And then yeah, I mean, well, however they work it out. At, at this point, like that's they keep talking about. That's what I, I was going to say. Going to be because. Left field so much bigger. I thought they were going to put Verdugo on left and stick Soto on right because he's not a good fielder and Verdugo is a good fielder. But I said it's Sunday and John was like, no, they're not going to do that. Um, but uh, who who would you say, you know, uh, let's pretend for a minute he's going to be the left fielder. Who is the best Yankee left fielder that you can remember seeing in your life? Uh... I don't even know. I I mean, Hideki's got my heart because I mean, like he, like the nickname, the the you know that 2009 season. I mean, it was just kind of like that's my biggest memory as a Yankees fan because like you know I was just fresh out of I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. Like you know, sports were kind of like 99% everything I cared about at that time. So like, um, I would say Hideki. I mean. My favorite outfielder of all time is Bernie Williams. So, I mean, he's not a left fielder, but I mean, like, so, like, just when I think of outfielders, I just think of Bernie. And So, yeah, I 
I, yeah, I other than Matsui, I would say the Yankees haven't had a good left fielder since Ricky Henderson. <laughs> Those couple years he was with the Yankees. Um, so this is going to be so it's but it is probably going to be Soto and right and Verdugo is going to be in left. Yet it's still sadly Verdugo is probably the left field, best left fielder other than Hideki Matsui that the Yankees have had since Ricky Henderson as well. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on because we do have a lot of guys we want to cover. Speak of the devil. Um, let's talk about the king of the doogies, um, the, the, the dumb, stupid mistakes that Alex Verdugo constantly made on the bases and in the field until last year where he suddenly started thinking a little bit and playing less hero ball. So he was great in right field last year. He still wasn't committed to being a really good hitter. But anyway, he's a Yankee right now. Is he going to get his uh, shoulder? I'll go to Mike first on this one as well because he's a Yankee player again. Um, is he going to get his head screwed on straight? Just like Soto, he is only uh, with the Yankees for one year as of right now. What do you think about Verdugo? Boom or bust? Uh, I'm going to go boom. I think he's going to play well in Yankee. I mean, he's a left-handed hitter. It's, um, you know. I didn't realize looking at his stats with the was was with you guys four years. I didn't realize. I mean, he was he was a pretty good hitter. I mean, he was in the four years he hit two eighty one, um, which I didn't really expect to see that number. I mean, I was impressed. I mean, and then like you said earlier, the, the guy's a pretty good fielder too. So I mean, like he's kind of like a, you know, he's not really great at anything, but I mean, he's good enough at at everything, right? So I mean, I'm excited. I, he's someone we need. We need like Yankees kind of got into this utility player thing last year, you know, where like, you know, had a few guys bouncing around everywhere, like IKF was big in that. And I'm not saying Alex Verdugo is going to bounce around, but he's just good at everything. Like if he needs to play center, he can play center. If he needs to play right, he can play right. And he can hit. So, I mean, it's a contract year for him too. He's going to have to show out if he wants a big paycheck next year, whether it's with the Yankees or whoever. But um, I'm excited. I mean, he's got a lot to prove. And I think, you know, that extra motivation maybe, you know, Red Sox, not to say they gave up on him, but, you know, if, if that's where your heart was the last four years and now you kind of play for the rival, my, I mean, some, someone like me would motivate me, especially those, you know, eight games they're going to play. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I say boom. They traded him to their arch rival for, like, a bag of beans pretty much. So, yeah. there's only, I think there's only been three trades the Yankees and Red Sox made in the last 30 years. Uh, something, something like, like that. that. There's only they've only made seven trades together ever, ever mm-hmm. like in their history. So it's it's been a while. the The biggest surprise, I think, the thing that surprises Verdugo that surprises people the most about Verdugo is you see him come onto your team, and for some reason you think he's fast. He's an outfielder. He's like a top of the order kind of hitter, and he doesn't have power. So you assume he can run. The guy is slow. He was like the thirteenth fastest guy on the Red Sox last year. And that includes the pitchers. Um, J- Joey, uh, boomer bust, Doogie in pinstripes. Doogie in pinstripes, I think that's a bust. Uh, I-, I don't think he does well in another ALEs team. I think Verdugo probably wants him, probably needs a more uh, relaxed West Coast atmosphere to feel good about himself. You know, if the Yankees are a winning ball club, they're winning ball club. I don't think Verdugo is going to end up being much of a factor in that other than the fact that he can play the field. I, In my view, the Yankees should be putting him in center. You, you, you got to take Judge out of center field. 
You got, it doesn't matter. You got to take Judge out of center field. You guys are Mickey mantling him to death. The guy why, why do you say that? Why, why do you guys? Why do you guys keep saying that? Be able to walk when he's thirty-five. The guy's already injury prone without the center field factor. Injury like guys, prone, meaning like in the last three years, all he's done is run into a wall. But okay, how many full seasons has Judge played? Who cares that you like who plays a full who season these these who days? Who, name me name me players that play 162 games these days though. Like, well, that's there's not, not many. I mean, I think he means without prolonged injury uh, IL stints. I agree. He shouldn't be the everyday center fielder. But if you look at like his right field and center field play, three full seasons in his career. Three. He he plays. He's ranked. He's rated out better in center field than he has in right. In the in the two years he's played it, these last. That's my point. My point is you, you Yankees right? people. Are <laughs> you Yankees people are selfish. You guys would drive people into the dirt. The guy is a generational we're, hitter. We're only paying him five hundred million dollars. I mean, pay him five hundred million dollars a year. So you should you should be preserving him. Why are you throwing him in center field? Get some speedster to go play center. Get some glove guy to put in center, and let Judge take some take some time off and put him in left or right field. Are you kidding me? I, I think he'll have field. plenty of time off. Dude, you threw him in center. He ran into a wall. We already that already happened. That was in right. That was in right. And again, the guy's not going to be able to walk when he's 35. He's not going to be able to walk. And you're all going to sit and complain, why did we sign him? Oh, why did he do this? He's so injury prone. Well, you were making him play. You were making a six foot seven, 250-pound person play center field, which is insane. And you shouldn't do like it. Aaron Boone's selfish. I think it's like, was more that? like 280. I think he's more like yeah, 280. Yeah, probably 280. He is. He is. He's 282. Yeah, he has no business playing center field. It's ridiculous. Take him out. I mean, put him in left. The guy's an athlete. I if the if the guy says he can play center field, you trust him. But he's a hell of an athlete. He's going to throw people out consistently. Michael, no one's saying he can't play center. The point is that you want to preserve him for the future. The guy is going to he's going to not be able to. He's going to be hobbling around at age thirty five. I mean, we're not going to be expecting much of him defensively at the end of his contract, though. Like that's the thing. As I, no, I don't think not defensively, Michael. Michael, he's not going to be on the field. Period. Period, Michael. He's not going to be on the field. How many games did he play? So the guys that play center field for their whole career, do they just like fade out at the end? Are they 6'7 and 280 pounds and the best hitter on your team? No, but are they freak of natures, workhorses, trains, you know, like the new new medicine, the new training? Michael, Michael. Rest days, load management. He's not a he's not a workhorse, Michael. He's played three full seasons in his whole career, Michael. Okay. And, he's played three. And if he and if he plays like he's been playing, he can take as much time as he wants off as long as he's healthy. Give him the rest days. I don't want him to play back to back. If he's gonna play center field, don't let him play back to backs. Give him let him play DH the next game. Who, who cares? We got we got I options. Right field the whole year. Put him in left field. Find someone else to play center. Your team is ridiculously selfish for doing that to him. And you're all gonna regret it later. And Aaron Boone's gonna regret it. And Hal Steinbrun is gonna regret it. And everyone's gonna say, "Oh, Aaron Judge." You know, if it does come, there. if it does come down to it, though, they they do have Trent Grisham, who is a two-time Gold Glove center fielder. So I mean, like, if if he does start wearing down, if he does start like looking like it's hurting him, I mean, he they they do have options. That would make you have more sense to, to me. Like, yeah. you you get you trade Verdugo for something, and you just have Grisham start in center field every day. Have Judge and right and Soto and left and. 
you still got enough offense between those two guys. But I do agree with Joey, and not because I'm a Red Sox fan. I wrote a column, one of the first columns to ever go on BleacherBrawls.com back in 2019, I think, is when Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez were uh, 1-1A and on the Yankees. And the column, basically the gist of the column was, what is Judge doing in right field and Sanchez doing catching when these guys hit like this? Sanchez should be DHing, Judge should be playing first base. Nobody his size should be running around in the outfield, even in right field. And I think in center field, I mean, there there is a good point to what Joey's saying, I think. Six foot seven, 280 pounds, bodies like that are not meant to prowl the outfield 150 plus games a year. Um to answer the question, he has played three full seasons in his career, one season of 155 games, one season uh, in 2021, he played 148 games. In 2022, he played 157 games. Um, other than those three years, the most he's played is 106. And that's out of one, two, three, four. Wait a minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven years three um, three full seasons. And that counts 2020 because he only played 28 games in 2020, 28 out of uh, 60. So I do think Yankee fans are going to be worried. Like every time he, he has to track something into the gap, if he is going to be playing center field a lot, I think Yankees are going to be, hold- Yankee fans are going to be holding their breath and thinking like, Oh geez, we got to get through this year and just, and get Verdugo out of here. I think that's what's going to happen is, is that, Next year, Verdugo is going to be gone. Judge is going to be back and right, and they'll have an actual center fielder. Um, And, oh, by the way, I didn't answer. For Soto, boom, definitely a boom. Uh, He's going to propel this Yankee offense to be one of the best in the league. Adding him makes that lineup so much deeper and takes pressure off Stanton. So I think that could help Stanton do a lot better, too, because nobody's even thinking about Stanton anymore. They're just thinking about Soto and Judge. And Verdugo, I think, is going to be a bust. He was born a bust. He was raised a bust. He'll die a bust. Uh, he's a really good out- defensive outfielder, at least last year he was. Other than that, he I, I thought of him as pretty shoddy as far as the empty-headed mistakes and whatnot. Um and if getting embarrassed by the Red Sox trading him to the Yankees for barely anything, if if that lights a fire under his ass, that might be the best thing for him because he needs to commit to be to reach his potential offensively. He can be a guy who hits 300 every year, or he could be a guy that hits 20 home runs a year. I, I, I'm almost positive of that, but I don't think he's ever committed mentally and or physically to doing the things that you have to do to do that, putting in the work as we say, as Judge does. I would never deny that. Judge is a guy who works tirelessly. You can tell. Just look at the kind of hitter he was in 2017, the holes in his swing, and look at the hitter he is now. Um, All right, now on to a bigger and better player, Tyler O'Neill. I mean, the story of the offseason. I think we can all agree on that. Um, Joey. I will. I'm not sure how familiar you are uh, with Tyler O'Neill's resume, but uh, what are your thoughts? Is he got, so he was traded for? I can't remember what he was traded for, uh, but he was he was he got M, he was an MVP candidate in 2021. Had a great season, 2022, 2023. A lot of injuries. Um, so uh, really struggled at the plate. 
uh, and got into got into it with his manager a little bit. Kind of sounds like a certain outfielder that the Red Sox just let go, actually. Um, so, Joey, what are you thinking about Tyler O'Neill? Boom or bust? Well, speaking of full seasons, Tyler O'Neill has played one full season in his career. It was a great full season. He was came up eighth in the MVP. He hit thirty something bombs, and that was a big breakout year for the Cardinals. And I'm sure Breslow is hoping we can rechannel that, but. To me, he's gonna look like a, he's gonna look like a fourth outfielder to me. Now he has Gold Gloves, so I, I'm guessing he'll be able to patrol all the spots in the outfield at least adequately, which is I guess, I guess is important. But I, I mean, at, at best, this guy, and you, Luke, you're not gonna like this term. But I think this is fair. I think he has a Hunter Renfro ceiling, a 2021 Hunter Renfro ceiling. That's what I see for this guy at best. Maybe he works his way because remember Renfro, I don't think came in as a starting outfielder. Or was it expected to be? I think he ended up the starting outfielder, but it was not clear at the beginning of the season that he was going to be there. Tyler O'Neill can earn that spot, maybe hit 30-something bombs, hit 260 or something. I don't see him doing much more than that. I don't see him playing a full season. Look at the guy's history. I mean, he's really, really jacked and ripped, and those types of guys can be prone to injury because they're they're so tight. So meaningless, not meaningless, but he's a fourth outfielder. Hopefully he has some pop in his bat. That's great. If he's in the lineup every day from opening day, that's a serious problem. And it means that this team has done a dereliction of duty against their fans, which they've, they've done before. But the, the only thing I'm upset about is they have, you know, this is something I think you do at the end of the off season, right? Luke, something you pick up. Oh, we have a hole here. Let's get, let's fill in a fourth outfielder here. Why are we picking him up now? Now I think the trade's fine. I know there's some guys like Tony Maz and stuff were upset about it. We I don't we didn't give up anything. The guys we gave up from are, are nobody's scrubs. It seemed like he was equivalent to Verdugo in St. Louis. Now I don't know if they're the same type of player really. O'Neill's type of a, more of a power guy, but I think it's the same type of situation where they both had to be traded. And we traded Verdugo for some scrubby-ish pitchers, and they traded Teller O'Neill for, for some really scrubby-ish type pitchers. And I think that's where the similarities begin. Uh, I I'm, I agree. Um, if he stays healthy, uh, he's a prime, you know, change of scenery guy. Uh, those guys you hear about sometimes, oh, he just needs a change of scenery. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I hear you hear it all the time. Uh, somebody ditches a player that hasn't lived up to their potential. Like, oh, he just needs a change of scenery. I can't think of anybody who, uh, who has. Aaron Hicks. Aaron, oh, jeez. There we go. Aaron Hicks. Just had <laughs> that that bum. That. Had to get out of that sewer in New York. That was all he needed. Um, you know, he could succeed in Henway, Fenway. I mean, he's a right-handed power hitter. He could definitely succeed in Fenway if he stays healthy and he gets a lot of at-bats. He's a right-handed power hitter. Um, so it could make Breslow looking like a genius, but I mean, is he even going to get enough at bats to show that one way or another? What is he going to just, just hit against lefties? Is he going to be playing right field, center field? Is he just going to be spelling Yoshida in left field for the most part? I mean, there's a lot of questions in the outfield. I was kind of, when Verdugo was traded, I was thinking more like, oh, good. Like, so he was a problem and he was another left-handed hitter and the outfield's crowded, but then they got Tyler O'Neill, and so it's like, all right, so now the outfield's crowded again, but at least it's, 
it's with a they got a righty who can hit home runs. I agree with you completely, Joey, in that there's no sense bitching about this move because they didn't give up anything for him. It does. I don't think it means they're done getting right-handed hitters. Um, but it's not what fans want to see right now. It's not what Red Sox fans want to see, and that was the problem. If they had already made their big move of the season and added Tyler O'Neill, it would have been, oh, sweet, wow, Breslow's still cooking. He didn't rest on his laurels. Now that he got his two arms and his one bat, he made a depth move too. He made the depth move first. At least I got to think he sees it as a depth move because uh, you can't guarantee. I said this Sunday, the last time Tyler O'Neill was good, Bobby Dahlbeck was good. So uh, he is far from a sure thing. I'm going to say it's a boom move because if he stays healthy, then he can. Then I could see him doing what having a season like Aaron du, uh, like Adam Duvall had last year, minus the uh, the, the broken wrist. But that's, I mean, I'm definitely using a little optimism right there, uh, for sure. Um, so I guess now we'll move on to the side note of the offseason. Uh, the guy that the Dodgers picked up for uh, the league minimum, Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is now, is now a Los Angeles Dodger. He has been, he has been given a $700 million contract yet will be making minimum wage uh, for the first, at least this, for the, what, the, the, the whole 10 years? Or is it just this year he's making $2 million? I can't remember exactly. It's but the whole most 10 of it's, years. Yeah, most of it's deferred. Uh, he's going to be making it, like, he's going to be making this $700 million well into his mid-70s. Um, and he is, he's the face of the Dodgers now. A team with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman <laughs> now has a new face in Shohei Otani, a two-way player who's only going to be playing one way next year. Um, what, what, do, what are you guys thinking? Joey, I'll, I'll start with you. $700 million for a pitcher who hits nukes and won't be, but won't be pitching uh, in 2024. Uh, boom or bust? Long-term? You want my answer? Can you handle the truth, Luke? Can you handle it? I don't think I could. Mike, you start. No, just kidding. Joey, go ahead. I think I can. I think I'm ready now. I think it's a bust. I think it's a bust. I think, first of all, I think in the next CBT, um, the luxury tax impact will be adjusted on the deal. I, I, I don't think there's any way that the other owners let it fly, that they're only taking a $46 million hit on that. So I think they'll really adjust that, and the the hit will be a lot more. So I think that will stink for the Dodgers, because that's going to get patched out. That's like when they find a a hack in a video game. That's going the forty six million dollar thing is going to get patched out. And then additionally, how old's Otani? Is he thirty one? Thirty. He's thirty. He's going to be thirty next year, I think. Yeah, he's thirty. He's gonna be. You sign him till he's forty. He's on his second Tommy John. I mean. With this type of deal, there's no incentives, from what I understand about that involve pitching. So you're basically paying him like he's still the pitcher he was, which we just don't know. And how many guys come back after a second Tommy John and are excellent or are the same? I mean, we read about all these ball players, especially pitchers who are, you know, it's a finicky profession. After a surgery and injury, they're just never the same again. Two Tommy Johns. Who knows who he comes back as? Does he still retain value if he becomes number three? 
you know, if he's a, I mean, think of Otani as like a mid rotation guy. Maybe that's what it'll be. Is that deal still as valuable? I don't know. I think that locks up so much money for so long. He's also a DH. He doesn't play the field. I Listen, I think it's great that Otani's so popular and he does that amazing thing, and I think it's so fantastic. I don't think I believe in paying any player $700 million, even Shohei Otani. Uh, you know, I mean, I know inflation's pretty bad, but I just don't think anyone should be making $70 million a year. No one should be making double what Trout's making. Uh, Otani, in my view, should have been paid like a hitter who might be able to pitch again really well, not one that is going to. So the Dodgers could live to regret this one really, really badly, knowing his injury history and knowing what part of the what part of life he's entering into right now. He's entering into the to the back half. So in five years, when he's thirty five, and you're paying him, in theory, seventy mil, you're not, but in theory, you are. What's he going to be doing then? How do pitchers how do pitchers hold up at age thirty five? How do hitters hold up at age thirty five? Right, I mean, he. You have to imagine that if he's doing both those things, he's going to age and double the amount of time. He's going to age double because he's do, he's he's <laughs> exerting himself twice as much as everyone else is. Right, and age and you know, like, years. Yeah, it's like Luke. You know, you think of, you know, I'm not going to say your age. Not not that I know it, but I'm sure you look at things <laughs> you did when you were my age, and you were like, wow, you know, I could just get up in the morning after being hung over and then I could go work out for three hours and not feel a thing. Right. It's like something you used to be able to do. Right. But maybe now when you're 45 or 50 or 60 or whatever, not saying you're any of those ages, you know, that's something you just can't do anymore. Maybe pitching and hitting is just not something a 37 year old man can do. Right. I see that as a very, very real possibility. And I don't think any man should be locked up with that type of money. I ultimately think the deal will be a bust, B-U-S-T. But in the short term, it could be good. But also in the short term, he's not pitching. So, you know, the Dodgers are trying to add to the rotation. They just got a really good DH. So I appreciate you not saying my age on the air. And uh, to pay you back, I won't say your gender. So the, the I, I think I like Socialist Joey. Socialist Joey is maybe my favorite character on Bleacher Bros. I never thought I would hear Joey say, nobody should ever make, no player should ever make $70 million a year. My thing is, well, I have several things with this. Uh, before I go to Mike, I'll just go, but it's a bust. It's such an awful contract. Nobody knows how much he's even going to pitch again. Uh, he he. So he's basically being thirty paid thirty five million dollars a year to be one of the best pitchers in the league, and he's being paid thirty five million dollars a, a year to be one of the best power hitters in the league. Immediately, the very first year of the contract, he is only at max. He's only going to be worth half of that contract, and and he our, won't be pitching at twenty five either, or at least for most of it. No, I mean with the Tommy John now, it's you, you, you take a year off, especially especially because he got the surgery at the end of last season, at the end of 2023. I, I think he'll think be pitched in 2025. I don't think he'll be – I don't in spring training of 25, I bet you he's still not pitching. But I might be wrong. Um, But it's just you're immediately only getting half the value. And everybody who think like lots of Red Sox fans who have been fed up with the past few years – have really used this deal to kind of throw it in John Henry's face. See, everybody can afford, uh, all these owners can afford great players. Uh, don't don't let them fool you. 
it's a it 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 just it change a deal like this changes all the calculus so much. It's like you can't compare anything to it because it's a two way player, but to pay for both ways, uh, the the pitching and the hitting, and you're only going to get half of it on the first contract immediately tells me this is not a great idea. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Boom or bust? No, I agree with you guys. Um, I think the only way this becomes a boom is if they win multiple championships in his 10-year contract, which, I mean, currently right now, I I don't see how they win a championship next year. Like you said, he's not going to pitch, and if he did pitch, he'd be their best pitcher and probably only good starting pitcher at the moment, right? Um, So, I mean, I I don't see – like you could have all the offense in the world. I think Houston Astros has showed us, you know, if you don't have pitching, (laughs) you're not really going to do much in the postseason. So – um, I'm going to say bust. I don't see them winning multiple world series. I mean, it's good for him. You know, also want to shout out to the uh, Toronto blue Jays fans that, uh, <laughs> got their hopes up and, uh, was only crushed. Oh, so slightly. Um, I also got a big kick out of Drake posting a, uh, Otani t-shirt, him walking up the stairs when all that came out and turns out he wasn't even on that plane. So, um, that was pretty funny. I did get a good laugh out of all the blue Jays. I mean, AL East rivals, right? I mean, it's always good to see him get their you know, uh, come, guy, uh, come to juice. Yeah. The guy on shark tank was on that plane that every Toronto blue Jays fan was watching. Was Robert Derjavec, right? Robert, Robert Derjavec. Who was my favorite guy on shark tank. Now that Mark Cuban's leaving. Uh, but I, I think blue Jays fans would much rather see In Toronto for this reason. I'm out. I'm out, <laughs> I'm out on Shohei Otani. And the other thing I want to say, um, that I forgot in mid thought before when I was going, uh, a, a lot of the, the, the people, the, the prominent, uh, let's say social media personalities that have been throwing this in John Henry's face and there's no reason not, not to. And they're also saying that the Dodgers are paying 700 million. They're going to make billions off Otani, like with the merchandise alone, the merchandise, like that's all revenue shared. Like Otani could sell five trillion T-shirts, the the profits from all of those are divided among all thirty teams. So it's not. Well, Luke, think about this too. That only happens if he stays good. Yes, that. Too. If he's thirty-five and he can't hit anymore, they're not going to be selling merchandise. You know, I mean, maybe they'll still be paying for TV rights in Japan, but they won't be paying as much. You know, it's all the Japanese companies are going to be trying to advertise at Dodgers games if Otani's hitting, you know, Mendoza with 15 bombs and, you know, having a five ERA. That's not going to happen. All of that is dependent on whether he's good or not. And if he's good, it doesn't matter because you're already getting the value anyway, right? If he's if he is an elite hitter, an elite starter, he's basically paying for himself value-wise, right? And then you get the merchandising and whatever other revenues coming in. But if he's not good... People aren't going to be paying to wear his jersey, okay? Like, there's a difference between a 25-year-old Albert Pujols, you know, advertising sales, merchandise sales, than a 40-year-old Albert Pujols merchandising and advertising sales, okay? It, it doesn't matter that he was just great at one point. If he's not great then, his merchandise isn't going to be selling as well. Another thing too is uh, we we've, we've talked about you know playing a full season with the other three guys. But what, is he going to be playing full seasons? I mean, I don't know if you guys remember before they announced he was going to have a second Tommy John last year. He was coming out of games for cramping and dehydration, 
And, you know, something I had an argument with a buddy of mine about today is like, it's not that like people couldn't learn two positions or someone hasn't tried to be a pitcher and a batter. It's that like physically, like it's probably like, you know, next to impossible. And I think, you know, this, the reason why he got 700 million is because he did it well for the first time since Babe Ruth, who was playing against plumbers. So um, I I don't really, I mean, like, I don't think he's going to play a full season ever again. You said that, but go ahead. Well, I mean, it is what it is. But like I said, he was kind of like, we've already seen, uh, I don't want to call it a decline, but maybe like we've, we've, you know, have we seen like, you know, deterioration? Like, I mean, is he going to be, you know, as good as a pitcher as he was this last previous year coming off his second Tommy John? I mean, if you still have that question, how do you give him this contract? But they did. And we're about to find out. Oh, and uh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, Pat, uh, you know, Joe Kelly's guy. I don't know if you guys saw that Joe Kelly's wife, uh, they say sealed the deal because uh, she, she, Instagram posted Otani saying he can have number 17 for the Dodgers. Also, she I wonder what else she did for Joe. Yeah. yeah I was gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was here's a good question. Even if Otani is able to play both positions, have we seen Otani at his apex? Have we seen the best of Otani? I think yes. He's 29 right now. So, I mean, usually that's the peak. You know, some of the greater players can maintain the peak at till through 32, 33 years old. We all know he's a he's an animal as far as working out and uh, being focused on his production. Uh, but obviously, he has to be considering like how you can practice and maintain being a top hitter and a top pitcher it sounds impossible to put in the work on both ends that there's not enough hours in the day to do it. But I mean, obviously that comes with a huge risk to injury and before we move on. So you got Mookie Betts, who's making what, like third, probably 33 million, something like that. You got Freddie Freeman. I don't know what he's making, but I'm sure it's in the low to mid thirties. And so then you got Shohei Otani for 2024. He's coming in making 70 million and his 162 game averages as a hitter are a 274 batting average, 366 OBP, 556 slugging, 922 OPS, 40 home runs, 101 RBIs. So none of those numbers are outside of what Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman can do and have done in the past. Yet this guy's coming on. And for the first year, anyway, of the contract, he's going to be making twice what these guys are making. I mean, hopefully you would think these guys are all set. I mean, superstars are all set for life and they're not going to begrudge them. They're not going to begrudge him that extra money, but money can do crazy things. Uh, A team, a locker room full of egos can do some crazy things to the mind. We all saw what happened in that cluster fudge in San Diego last year with all those stars, 14 shortstops on the roster. And apparently they, none of them liked each other. Um, so just very, there's so many risks with that. And plus you're like handing over the franchise to them. Mike, you were looking up before we went on the air, you were looking up. He's got, he's got, uh, restrictions and he's got clauses in his contract saying that what, who, so there are personnel, there are personnel, um, he has personnel, uh, input or whatever. He has outs tied to personnel. Why don't you just go over those again real quick for us 
Yeah, no, I was, um, I'm going to find the article, but no. Yeah. So basically he's got an opt out. So like if, um, it's the baseball president of baseball operations and, uh, the owner, I believe, um, but if, if they leave the organization or if they fire the president of baseball or if he just quits, Shohei can opt out. So, I mean, it like you, you said it perfectly. I mean, he owns 48% of this team, whether it's on paper or not. Like this guy, if he says boo, they got to move. So, I mean, um, it's it's crazy. They, I mean, and something I was going to say, agree with you is what if Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman outperform him? Like, do they turn around and say like, well, why is he making double? And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, but if they're all batting over him and got more home runs and have better on base percentage, like, like you said, could it tear up a locker room? I mean, it'd be fun. It's like the closest thing I've ever seen in Major League Baseball to someone having like a LeBron James kind of cachet and um, authority. In the club, it is literally pretty much like he is uh, a minority owner of that team. Not barely a minority, like a co-owner of the team. Go ahead, Joey. Well, what I'm wondering is if Friedman's fired at some point. Well, first of all, I, I wonder what, what was the motivation for putting that in? Why does Otani care about Andrew Friedman so much? Right. What I'm thinking is, does that mean that if ownership sells the team that Otani is then able to opt out immediately? Yes. Or is he able to opt out in perpetuity? Is he able to, so if they sell it now, can he opt out in five years? Right. So that, that would be my question. I would assume then, it means at the time of sale, but I, yeah, it says, it says if uh, Mark Walter, president of baseball operations, and Andrew Freeman is no longer involved with the team, he can opt out. So like, I think it's immediately. So if like, if the president of operations decides in 2025, I'm not coming back this season, I, I'm pretty sure he could decide to go. So he, but I'm owner, saying so the owner is like kind of powerless. I can't sell this team because if I sell the team, the, whoever buys the team is going to want Otani now. So, I mean, that totally completely like kills my negotiating power. Now, maybe he has no intentions on ever selling the team. You know, very likely so, but he can't fire. He can't fire the president of baseball operations, which is like, not thinkable. Like if, if Otani's he good, Friedman, he loses his franchise player. Do you think Friedman put that? In? Yeah, conspiracy. Do you think Friedman put that in? He's like, I got you, Otani. Now I'm going to tie myself to him. Because think about this: if if Otani's good, if this deal works out, that's Friedman's life raft. This is they should make like there should be a series based on this made for Netflix or something because like all the dra- all the dramatic possibilities that come here just base it off this and just make it a fictional series but with these kind of dynamics because it's totally cuckoo and I could foresee eight hundred different horrible things that could go wrong here. Uh, so Heim Bloom should have done it with Rafi Devers. He should have said. I'm going to extend Rafi Devers, but <laughs> in the contract, it says that if, uh, if I leave the team, he can opt out. just want to let you guys know. We could have kept Heim Blue. That's why he was fired. He said, I want to give Chris Sale 10 more years at $700 million. And if, but if, if you sell the team, John, then, then <laughs> he, he can leave at any time. And forcing John Henry to sell the team immediately so Sale will leave. 
Let's uh move on. We got we got to cover the the big the guy who haven't signed who hasn't signed yet. The the big guy. He's the Far East is taking over Major League Baseball. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Now that Otani has really like sent a comet from space through the center of the earth, now uh the dust as the dust settles, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is uh is about to it's like in deep impact like the 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 huge crater was uh uh knocked into two pieces um and all coming from the far east to shatter the western hemisphere what is where is yoshinobu yamamoto gonna end up is he gonna go to la and force all of us to commit ritual suicide um what or or where where else is he gonna end up mike where, where do you got yamamoto going uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to put him in New York. Uh, I think, and here's why I think if it's a bidding war, the Mets take him because I think there's no way we go through a whole off season. The Mets don't make some sort of noise, some sort of splash. I know they came out last year and try to say that this was going to be like a, you know, a build up year and they weren't going to do, I don't believe that for one second. Um, there's a reason why their names are still in the talks. They, they got a lot of money over there and I, I think if he comes, if he wants money, the Mets owner's gonna gonna he's not gonna want to get outbeat by Brian Cashman. I I just fully believe that. Um, but I'm gonna put him in the Yankees uniform because I I do think that this guy wants to be great. Um, I think he sees the team that's already built, and I think you know like we still talk to this day about those '90s Yankees teams, and like they have an opportunity to to form a, a dynasty here. So um, you know that's first piece to come over. We know he's gonna. I mean you want to talk about no pressure. It's not like you're the only starter here. If you go to LA this year, like a Dodger, you, you know, Shohei's not pitching. So you are the guy. And you know, if that's, I don't know, I don't know how he deals with pressure. I know the East is going to be uh, the top of the competition. I mean, but I mean, I think from what I know about the guy, from what I read about the guy, I should say, uh, it seems like he's not going to be one of those to run away from it where we've kind of made fun of Shohei, you know, is he really, you know, made for the spotlight does he want to be in boston does he want to be in new york i think this guy does want to be on one of those big teams and um i'll put him in new york obviously it's a little homer in me but do it for the legacy do it do it to bring back the empire do it do it all joey is yamamoto going to the yankees no of course not he's going to the red sox luke didn't didn't you know that I know, I know, um, but I don't know if all the listeners do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the media won't tell you this. The Red Sox just signed Roberto Perez uh, to be Yamamoto's personal catcher. He was requested by Yamamoto, and and that's why we got him. So it seems like the deal's already been made. No, but I'm just kidding. I I don't believe in the Mets on this. In my head. The Mets and the Dodgers are out of this. Now, I know everyone's telling me different, but the Dodgers just signed to get a $700 million. I really don't think they're going to commit $300 million to another guy this offseason. I, I don't see it. Not before getting another bat or some more manageable starting pitching options. And also, they still have to resign Kershaw. Right, and the, you know they're going to have to give Kershaw $15, $10 million. I mean, they're going to have to give Kershaw you know, a real deal. Right. So I don't see the Dodgers doing it, especially since they're trading for glass now. Now, and I tweeted this earlier and some Dodgers fans got mad at me. They were like, oh, wow, you're an amateur comedian. 
You don't have a hard cap. Dude, you might not have a hard cap, but no financially literate franchise is, is going to commit a billion dollars in one offseason, right? They're just not going to do it. So especially on Otani is, has question marks and so does Yamamoto. Yamamoto's never pitched in a major league game before. It's never happened. So are the Dodgers going to commit to two guys that are both kind of up in the air a little bit? I don't think so. I think the Dodgers, it makes much more sense to trade for Glasnow and maybe try to get a more mid-rotation guy. And also Glasnow, if they receive him, he's making 25 mil in arbitration. Okay? I, I, I don't see the Dodgers adding another contract on top of that. I don't see it. Especially when they'll be bigger and better. You know, Not bigger, but there'll be other options next season if they really need another SP. As for the Mets... I, the rhetoric from the Mets at the end of last year felt to me like they were going to restrain themselves. That's what it felt like to me. They weren't in on Otani, as far as I understand. I don't see them in on Yamamoto either. If if I'm if I'm Steve Cohen, I'm kind of quitting on the mega deals for now. Let's let's make some more middling contracts. Let's 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 find some good deals, not huge deals. I I don't see Steve Cohen approving. Uh, Steve Cohen approving a $300 million deal right now to a pitcher who's never played in the big leagues. I don't see him doing that. He's a businessman. I think he's a sure thing type guy. I don't see him liking that. So in my head, and especially with the Mets' recent performance, I don't see him doing it. I don't see him doing it. But people say they're high in negotiations. I don't see it. In my head, there's two teams that are competing right now for Yamamoto. And I guess the Giants. With Everyone seems to be saying no to the Giants, so I'm not really accounting for them anymore. Every big free agent has rejected the Giants. And I think probably if Yamamoto won. Yeah, for years. This has been Judge, Correa, Otani. Back to back. Yeah, and we just learned that that Otani was offered a similar deal by the Giants, and he said no. So I'm thinking it's between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And as 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 far as room to bend, the Red Sox have a lot more room to bend than the Yankees. The Yankees have a really bad financial situation. I said this at the beginning of the offseason. The Yankees are really in trouble contract-wise. And I know, uh, you know the Yankees and Cashman's back. He just traded for Soto. That's what he just pulled off, man. That's the big win he just pulled off for you guys this season. I, I, I don't see them adding another multi-hundred million dollar contract. I don't see it. They're going to be paying like four or five guys, the, the whole team's going to be four or five salaries. I don't see them doing it. It, it, it ruins them financially flexible, flexibly. It, it ruins them. They already have an ace. They already have Garrett Cole. The Red Sox need an ace. The Yankees don't. The Yankees can go and get twos and threes and put up a good ball club. The Red Sox need an ace. So I think the Red Sox have more wiggle room. They have a greater need. And they have a more flexible situation. And I don't think they're going to let themselves lose to, lose to the Yankees in bidding. Because can you imagine, Luke, for a second, Craig Breslow losing a bidding war to the Yankees? It comes down to Red Sox and Yankees, and the Yankees lose. The Yankees win. He'd be he'd be out the door as GM before he even plays. A, we even play a game. I mean, the, the whole fan base would torch his house. He has to sign Yamamoto if it comes down to those two teams just to save face. So. I see it as ending up with the Red Sox. That's a very homer take, and I know it might be a little far-fetched, but those are my reasons. Luke, please weigh in. If he doesn't sign, if Breslow doesn't sign a Tony, it's not just Breslow. If Breslow and Henry and Werner don't sign Yamamoto, 
then the question is, what what were they doing firing Heim Bloom to begin with? I, I thought it was Heim Bloom that was afraid to go the extra mile for people to make those big moves. And all he could do was build up the farm system. So if you fired Heim Bloom because he couldn't make those decisions, you better make you better make those decisions or else you're, you're just outing yourself for as really the problem and outing yourself. I'm not blaming Breslow for that. I'm blaming management uh, for that. <clears throat> so I see it the same way. I see him going with the Red Sox. And again, all three of us are going homerific on this, but I think the Red Sox just make the most sense because they, they have been preparing for this. It seems like they've been preparing for this for a few years now building the farm system, building a young foundation and a young foundation that's in place right now. They have a, they have an offense that is very good right now, I think. They did lose Justin Turner, but I think they're going to get a lot more from Trevor Story this year, and I don't think they're done. I think they'll get another one more offensive player to add to this team, but I like a lot of the young players, Abreu and Valdez and Rafaela on this team. And this is what they need. You can't move forward if you don't have an ace pitcher. And this is a 25-year-old who is obviously going to get Tommy John surgery in the next four or five years because they all do by the time they're 30. But you'll lose him for one year after that, and then he'll be good as new again. This is the main piece. This is the main piece that you need, and it's the giant piece that's missing on the team you have. The Dodgers have, it can't be an endless supply of money in LA. It absolutely can't be. So I, I can I cannot imagine that they're going to take on this contract as well. I think they're smart to put out feelers that they're still in it. And I think it's smart the Yankees are saying they're still in it. Drive up the price for whoever does get them. Because, look, Hal is not George. Hal Steinbrenner is not George Steinbrenner. He's not going to look at his balance sheet with Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, Giancarlo Stanton, and Carlos Rodon all still on for at least was Stanton four more years for at least four more years, and then add another ten year contract on top of that. He's he's too fiscally responsible to do that, I think. And I don't think Yamamoto is going to want to go to the Giants and compete with that superpower uh, in LA uh, in this playing in the same division with the Dodgers and Otani. So, I mean, the Red Sox make the most sense, but they haven't, they haven't shown that they have, they really haven't shown, they really haven't earned our confidence that they will do it. And I am saying that as somebody who was in favor of them avoiding long-term contracts for the past few years because I wanted them to put that foundation in place. Now the foundation is in place. So now if they don't go out and get him right now and another top pitcher, then everything I'm, I was believing in them for for the last four years is, is nonsense. It was, it was all wrong. And is John Henry going to really – be, you know, Fenway Sports Group. He's got the Red Sox. He's got the Penguins. He's got Liverpool. He's he's looking to buy another team, right? I, I can't remember what sport, but he's looking to buy another franchise as well. Is he really going to look at his portfolio and be like, I can't afford a 10-year, $300 million, con- another 10-year, $300 million contract just because I got Rafael Devers um, locked in? 
for the next 10 years. Um, I, I don't see it. It's the tough part is going to be selling him, selling Yoshinobu Yamamoto on Boston. Apparently, he wants to go on the big stage. The big stage is in New York. The big stage in baseball is not in L.A., but the Dodgers are doing their damnedest to make it the 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 big stage. Um, I, I think it's down to the Red Sox and the Mets. And I think Cohen indicated when he dumped Scherzer and when he dumped Verlander last year, he's taking a step back. Taking a step back could mean, all right, I'm not going to spend $350 million next year, but I'll get an ace that I can have for the next 10 years. So I think the Mets are still in it, even though he's trying to take a step back from super compete mode. Um, and I don't worry about selling them as far as big stage goes, because the Mets aren't the big stage in New York. So, uh, you know, if you want to go to New York to play on the big stage, you don't want to play in Queens. You know, you want to play in the Bronx. So I have it as the Red Sox. Um, I just worry about selling it, about selling Yamamoto on Boston. If the money is all even, is if the offers are similar, I do worry a little bit about him going to the Mets. But I think the Dodgers are out, and I think the Yankees are out. So my call so is Boston. So here's something I just read, and this could be fake news. Someone's telling me that Yamamoto's agent is also Chris Sale's agent. Who told you that? Like someone, is it a blue check mark? <laughs> I was reading that the agent responsible for Yamamoto was also responsible for the Sale extension. So I don't know, Luke. How, how does that make you feel? I would like to know how that makes you feel. I don't really, I don't really feel. know. It's like, was was the agent involved with Sale's workout program at all? That's that would be my <laughs> question if I was Yamamoto. It's, if he if he's his personal trainer, then <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't think that moves. That doesn't move me one way or another. I don't think it moves Yamamoto one way or he's another. He's also responsible for Stanton's deal. Okay. And I, Matsui's. I when it, when he does meet with the Red Sox, I've heard he's meeting with them this week. They got. I thought they met today. It was today. I thought they met today. Yeah. Am oh, I, really? I wrong okay. on this? Okay, I haven't heard anything yet. They're pretty tight-lipped lately since Dombrowski left. Yeah, I, dude. I by the way, dude, I hate this. It's they're making this free agency so much worse because there's like no leaks this year. I don't know if they brought the FBI in to like, uh, uh, you know, put everyone on uh, lying machines, uh, whatever but the those thing are called. Is, and Bob Nightingale wrote this last week. It was an awesome article where he pretty much blasted himself and every other uh, baseball member of the baseball media. Um, but he was basically saying, um, look, we are just like us who are watching this looking for updates and stuff. It's all BS. It's all put out by the agents. So Yamamoto's agent is floating. The Dodgers are in it. The Mets are in it. The Yankees are in it. The Giants. Everybody with money is in it. It's going to be a bidding war, the likes of which we've never seen. You know the uh, account uh, MLB Executive Burner? No. Is it a burner account? <laughs> yeah, the guy's supposedly a front office exec. He has 16K followers. Uh, he tweeted during the show, Red Sox out on Yamamoto. All right. Well, I'm going to choose not to believe it. Um, I hate I hate this stuff though. I'd I'd rather just I'd rather know nothing than just know like so little. 
Um, but it's even when we read stuff, we don't know anything because it's the agents have put all this stuff out and the teams are forbidden by the collective bargaining agreement to deny anything they're saying because it mm. could jeopardize the, the player's bargaining position. So it's just all nonsense. For, for me with Yamamoto, for me with Yamamoto, I'll be disappointed if he signs with the Dodgers or the Mets. I'll be disappointed. But those teams to me are kind of like, they're not mortals. They're not mortal teams to me. The Dodgers have created money out of thin air. They just gave a guy a $700 million contract. Apparently, they're on some different financial plane that we can't understand. And Steve Cohen is a maniac when he wants to be. If he overpays by $300 million, you know, if he gives him $500 million, what, what are we going to do at that point? How can we compete with that? But the Yankees are on our level. The Yankees are mortals. There's no special situation the Yankees have that makes them more capable of outbidding us, right? In fact, we're in a better position than the Yankees are to outbid them. So if we lose Yamamoto to the Yankees, it's such a huge failure. And you know what they'll do, right, Luke? They'll pivot to Jordan Montgomery, who I want really no part of. I, I don't think any deal he's going to get is going to be successful. I, I, I don't want to touch him. Mike, you had something you were trying to say? No, I was just going to – why are the Red Sox in a better position than the Yankees to land them? Because the Red Sox don't have nearly as much money tied up as the Yankees. The, the Red Sox, Red Sox are 65. The I think the Dodgers are showing us that, like, money don't really matter in the MLB anymore. Like, if you want someone and you are and you make that much money, you can you can get the deal done. Red Sox are $65 million under the tax, from what I understand. The Red Sox could sign Yamamoto – Give him thirty million, and then give another guy thirty million, and still be under it. The Yankees are giving like four guys thirty million dollars right now. You know, it's just not. It's not the same. It's not the same business. Correct, but does he want to win, or does he want to be in last place? Well, I mean, considering the Yankee reputation, if he wanted to win, he'd go somewhere else. I mean, or if he wanted to be in last place, he'd go to Boston. So, his choice. I don't know, dude. How many? How many uh, Japanese pitchers have won World Series in New York? I can't think of any. Matsuzaka won a World Series with us, okay. Uh, and he's still not. And he's and he's still he's still not as big as a name as Hideki Matsui. So Hideki Dude, he might have been on the Yankees in 2009. I'm not sure. But who, who was it? Hideki Arabu was he still on the team in no. 2009? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, um, if I, but yeah, if I'm John Henry, I am loading that room with, I'm bringing Dice K, I'm bringing, bringing Koji, I'm bringing Hideki Okajima, I'm bringing Junichi Tazawa. Tazawa, yeah, Tazawa. Yeah, I'm bringing all my ex-Japanese players in, a, an incredibly racist attempt to try to relate to him, but just hoping. I think, I think gonna... everyone has done that. I, I think I think I think the Yankees did that. The Red Sox are doing that, and the Do- the Dodgers brought Shohei. He was the first one in line. So I mean, it's, it's I think we know how to get your Japanese players. It just get someone that can speak their language. That him and Yoshida are best friends and played on the team together. Therefore, they are best friends. Did they, did you right. mention that? I forgot to mention that too. Yeah, I talked about this uh, on the Monday show, and I was like. So they're bringing it, it. It was just a rumor. They didn't bring them in, but so they're gonna bring Matsui and um, and uh, uh, Tanaka in to meet with them. And it's just like it seems kind of silly. Like 
like, oh, hey, they're Japanese just like you. You'll love it here. See, tell them, guys. And he can be like, he's from a part, I, like, he's from a part of the country where I hate the people that live there. Like, I, I don't like this guy. <laughs> no, no, but but if we if we put ourselves in that situation, like, like if we were going to play in Japan, like, and 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 Derek Jeter used to play there, like, you'd probably want to hear from Derek Jeter, like, hey, is this is this cool or like, is this gonna suck? It's my point exactly. Be like, I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't want to talk to Derek Jeter about this. Like, bring in somebody I can relate to. Like, uh, Tanaka and um, Matsui might have played for his uh, the, the Oryx Buffalo's arch rivals or whatever. The example I made... You're, you're muted, Joey. You're muted, Joey. But Yoshida played on the same team, a brother-in-arms. Now, that means for something. four years. And yeah, on- how, how many other teammates are out there? Only Yoshida. I think so. I hope so. Because no, what would be funny is if him and Yoshida had this rivalry we don't know about behind the scenes. <laughs> like, yeah. Totally fine. They were competing for the same girl. Well, no, they played on the same team. They were both superstars, and they just maybe they don't like. It's like one of those things where they pretend to not like. They pretend to like each other, but they don't. It could be. I mean, I think that's yeah, that's weird. like a like a Jeter A Rod kind of thing. Totally, totally. Except except maybe you know one of them is a little more useful than Jeter, but yeah. But I'm hoping they're best friends, like they're swingers, they swapped wives and stuff, that they're like <laughs> as close as, as you can possibly get. Like, yes, I bring me where Yoshida is right now. But the example I made <laughs> on Monday morning <laughs> was uh, John Rocker, which was <laughs> like, all right, if I'm going to Japan and a Japanese team is trying to recruit me, like, hey, we had an American, come on in, John, and it's John Rocker. Like, that's not swaying me. Like this, just you don't like John Rocker? That would sway me. Just because he's American, like I, I'm gonna really relate to this guy, and like, oh yeah, we're our experience is gonna be just is gonna be exactly alike. I thought it was kind of silly, but yes, I I agree with it in principle. Like, yes, bring all the Japanese guys who have won World Series with you, and uh, just do everything you can <clears throat> to to try. The and funny thing about Dice K is though that Dice K's contract was a failure. That Dice K's contract was a failure. Yeah, I mean, we're bringing a yeah, like we bring them Dice K. Like Dice K is an example of like a failed Japan contract. Yeah, he wasn't that good. I mean, he they won a World Series his first year though, and he had a two run single. He has more postseason RBIs than Aaron Judge in his career. I think. Wait a minute. No, more World Series RBIs than Aaron Judge. More World Series yeah. R- RBIs than Aaron. Judge. He had a good. He had a good. He had a good 08, too, and then he fell off. He had, like, two good seasons, right? The gyro ball. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if uh, they can show him the Boston-Japan scene. Like, you know, what street do they go down in Boston for a nice Japan scene? Do they put him to, like, a sushi restaurant? Yeah. (laughs) No. No, uh, so there actually are a lot. No, I didn't think so. I was going to go for your word, but. (laughs) Chinatown? In, in there is, there's a Chinatown, but that's <laughs> there it is. There, there is the Michael. Uh, all right, there are Japanese people in Boston actually. Like there's a there's like there's like a Japanese college or something. There, there's a lot of a lot of Japanese students in Boston. Like you'd never there's, think it, but you I, you walk around. There's a, there's a ton of them. There's 7,500 colleges in Boston, so there's people of. From yeah. everywhere, a lot of people. but 
people from the Far East are talking about Harvard. So many really smart people from the Far East that yeah, there's a lot of different cult, uh, Asian cultures that are heavily represented in Boston. Um, well, but, well, if I yeah. if I ever, if I don't make it on Bleacher Brawls. I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to be big in Japan. I'm going to do a Japanese podcast. You know, if I can't hack it here. Well, all the best to you in that pursuit. And uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. We went a little long. Pat Pat said with me hosting, it would be 90 minutes this week. I kept it down to about 76. So I'm proud of myself. Even if Pat didn't believe in me, I believed in myself. Um, So it's probably going to be a crazy week if the red sox don't get yamamoto then boston might explode just out of collective fury uh and uh if they do get yamamoto it might explode just from the the collective like sigh of relief and fist bumping we're gonna be like a bunch of jersey shore guidos pumping our fists in the air uh victoriously so um so uh, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Thanks all for listening to us. Uh, for Mike and Socialist Joey, I'm Luke. And uh, make sure you uh checking out BleacherBrawls.com, listening to our show. Uh, we're going to take a couple weeks off during uh, – we're going to take a Christmas break, but we'll be back at you every week, two times a week, starting in January. And then once the season starts, we're going to move back to three shows a week. So um, – Uh, Again, thanks for listening, and uh, we will holler at you later. Folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.